Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall is presented by the DC Crossover. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bird's Eye View. I'm your host, Erica McCall, a.k.a. Bird, because my last name is McCall, and I didn't mess up on the intro this time. You thought I was going to get myself? I did not. I said, how could I mess up on my own show? But it's okay. But everyone, we are back again with another episode, episode seven. Um, last week was a bit of a bonus episode, um, a little break for me and my um, social media manager. So we're back again, better than ever. We have an amazing guest here today, one of my friends. So happy that she joined. <laughs> but for those who are just listening in or just catching up on some shows, once again, I'm Erica McCall. I am entering into my sixth year playing professional basketball. I played four years in Hungary, one year in Turkey. I played all around the WNBA. Right now, I'm a free agent. We got some life updates. I'm moving to Phoenix, Arizona for the rest of the summer. Super hype. My guest lives in Phoenix, too. If you guys are guessing who it's going to be, although you can see it on the title, so never mind. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm really hyped um, to be moving to Phoenix. Um, new opportunities for me for basketball, for training, um, and just a new scenery um, to, you know, rediscover myself with basketball and in life. And it's just always good, you know, to, to get a new uh, background, a new environment um, to kind of change yourself and change the pace of life. So anyways, enough about me. The reason for starting this podcast, I'm just here to educate y'all. I'm here to uplift uh, others, other basketball players. I had um, somebody message me. I won't say who they are, but they messaged me just saying that the stories that I was sharing and the stories that my guests are sharing had helped them discover that their thoughts and experiences are valid and what they're going through. Is, it's not crazy. They, they feel the same thing. And so um, that was beautiful for me to experience because that's, you know, the whole point of the podcast, to educate, to, you know, to help other players know that they're not out there alone. We experience these things like yourself. And so we're going to keep chugging along. Each episode, I bring on a different player to discuss their experiences in the professional world, along with college and overseas, AU. We we just talk about it all in bird's eye view. But I'm talking too much. Let's just get to who our guest is. (laughs) Today's guest is no other than Megan Gustafson. Meg, welcome on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Meg was was here first season um, when we started Bird's Eye View and she had listened to some episodes and just told me how excited she was for me and that she enjoyed the show. So I was like, why not have a fan, a friend, an amazing player on the show? So thank you, Meg. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> well, before we get started, you know, I got to read the bio and this one y'all is like... It's probably the most elite bio that I ever read. I'm really excited to read it because I got a freaking all-star on my, on my show, an MVP to say. So let me go ahead and read Meg's bio. Okay, she was drafted by the Dallas Wings in 2019. You're number 17 overall. And I felt a special connection to that because I was number 17. Yes, we love it. <laughs> I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> He's also played for the Washington Mystics, where we were teammates last year. Um, We've really got, I think we kind of had like, I I don't describe it as my breakout year, but I just describe it as like my year of like the world really got to see what Eric Moncal got to do. And I think that was kind of the same for you. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but um, 
I just seen you like blossom, just seeing you from when you playing in Dallas to when we were playing in Washington. And we just had opportunity to really show, you know, what we can do. And I think we did. That's mm-hmm. uh, that was the same experience for you. She's currently playing for the Phoenix Mercury. She's a balling right now. First of all, y'all, I just want to say how impressed I am with her three-point percentage because y'all ain't seeing big shoot like Meg. She's averaging like 50% three-point percentage. And I'm like, every time I go and look at the stats, I'm like, I know, I know she shot 50%. That's just, it's incredible. And I've and I seen Meg put in the work. I've seen her shoot after practice, trying to knock down these threes, you know, every single day. And so it's really cool to experience you, you know, make them in the game because you get to, you know, see the fruits of your labor. So mm-hmm. love it, Meg. Thank you. <laughs> okay. She's a WNBA player, y'all, but she's a well-decorated former college amazing person. <laughs> <laughs> she was a 2019 Naismith Player of the Year, AP Player of the Year, ESPN W Player of the Year, first team All-American. She's two-time Big Ten Player of the Year. And I thought this was pretty cool because I seen this, but I completely forgot that the Iowa Hawkeyes retired the number 10. You know how they freaking do. dope that is, Meg? People's numbers get retired. They do. But for yours to get retired so rapidly after you graduated means you did work. Means you are a freaking legend, the goat, literally the greatest of all time, Iowa Hawkeye. How do you feel about it? It was an honor. I mean, it was an honor. I mean, I love my time at Iowa. Um, the system that they have is a great way to kind of bring in players right away. And Coach Bluter does such a good job of making sure her system fits to the players and who she has. Um, so luckily, it worked for me. Um, you know, when I was there. Um, they were able to put me at the focal point of the offense. Um, and I was able to develop pretty quickly under coach Jan Jensen, who's the assistant coach. Um, she's like a post player whisperer. I would definitely say <laughs> um, she really is. I mean, she developed me and then now she, de- she's been developing, you know, Monica Sinano and she's an all American. Um, so it's just really cool to see how that program is able to, you know, develop players and then, bring them to who they are um even now so I'm just thankful for the program um it was really cool when they retired my number um it you know the announcement of it happening was right after my senior year and um I was able to fly in from Budapest Hungary the next year to to be there for the ceremony so that was pretty awesome that's freaking amazing wow freaking all-star on the podcast okay okay let me keep reading because we are an all-inclusive podcast. We also talk about overseas. And Meg has played in Poland. And like you just mentioned, in Hungary, we also battled against each other because like y'all know, I played in Hungary for four years. So mm-hmm. for one year, when she played for Chata and I was with Sexart, we would have some battles out there. Um, you guys, I think we, we we went came in even. We were one-on-one in the regular season, from what I remember. And when mm-hmm. they beat us, man, I was hurt. Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but the next time you guys killed us, and then I was so sad that I bought my corgi like the next day. You see how I inspired, and I, you know, I didn't even put this on the on the bio, but we have Panny's mom here as well. <laughs> and for for those who do not know Meg, Meg, I've never seen anyone love love their pet the way that Meg does. It's a special kind of love, a special kind of passion. It's the way that if I had a pet, 
I don't think I'll ever get one. But if I had a pet, I would want to resemble <laughs> the love that she has for Pancake Gustafson. <laughs> She's my baby. She's legitimately my child. I definitely see her that way for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry that we beat you, but I'm, I'm happy that that inspired you. <laughs> it did. It was like immediately that night. Um, I was with my American team, Emma Cannon and her wife, Tia, mm-hmm. and we were getting back and I had been researching corgis for months overseas at that time. And that game just triggered me. I was like, I think we lost by 50 points. Yeah, it was Like amazing. it was really bad. I only yeah. had like five points, like probably one of my worst games in my career. And I was like, okay. We're getting the corgis. I took I took a bus overnight for like 10 hours to Poland, got her, went to this complete stranger's house. It was raining. I had troubles finding their house. I was walking around in this rural like town, got there, got panty, and then hopped on a plane and got back that same night to, to Hungary. I'm telling so. y'all the things that overseas does to you. <laughs> it's wild. It's you wild. Try 10 hours, but to find the love of your life. Exactly. It was worth it. <laughs> love makes you do some crazy things y'all and so does overseas we'll get to that later at the end of the show (laughs) okay meg you know how we do you listen to the podcast it's time for a little game to get you loosey-goosey before the interview questions okay all right all right today's game is titled thoughts of an mvp because i have an mvp on my show and i just want to know some of your thoughts about it okay okay what just what just what just goes through your head okay when you were growing up, mm-hmm. who was your favorite college player? Favorite college player? Mm. I mean, Brianna Stewart. I think mm-hmm. she was just like somebody I wanted to be just like uh, Maya Moore. I think those people. And then Sylvia Fowles and Tina Charles. Those are my two like post player people that I definitely looked up to. Okay, players, listen to that. See how she knows who other players are. She, she watched the game you know, growing up. And so she knew who she wanted to be, like who she wanted her game to resemble. Remember that because there will come a point in time when somebody asks you, who was your favorite growing up? Who was your favorite player Mm -hmm. growing up? And people are like, uh, I like LeBron. (laughs) You're not competing with LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) You are in the WNBA. Know some WNBA players. That's what you are. That's my little, my little tangent. But I love those answers. Um, mine growing up was, I wasn't really, I haven't really watched college basketball really until like I was about to enter college. Um, and right. so I knew I was like, I remember like my first time watching Stanford. It's when they beat UConn at Stanford. Mm-hmm. They beat their, their like, I think it was the 89th, you know, game that they won. And I was like, yo, this is dope. And that was my first introduction to, to Stanford, to the Wooman K sisters. And from there, like, I've just been a fan of them since. So Mine of the own case. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, next question. Why do you wear number 10? Well, um, when I was a freshman in high school, um, this is really an underwhelming story, but <laughs> I was on the volleyball team and um, a senior, I originally wanted number eight for some reason. I just liked that number. And a senior had already had it. And so the only, like, I remember all the jerseys were laid out on the stage. Everyone grabbed their numbers. I went up there. Um, number eight was already taken. And the last one was number 10. And I was like, all right, let's be number 10. So I love stuck. it now. It's like really significant to me now, but kind of an underwhelming story. Usually there's like a huge significance behind it, but you know, people, yeah, people always want like, oh, 
Okay, that's 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 why. No, I mean, I was the same way. I chose number 24 because I went to number four. It was gone. My mom was like, your sister wears number 24. I really wasn't even feeling that. I'm like, okay, she wears number 24. I'm like, all right. So I was like, okay, I'll wear it. <laughs> and now look, look at us. And now there's significant look at numbers us. for us. So it's exactly. crazy how the smallest little stories create something really legendary for us. So, so true. So Number true. 10 in the Raptors, baby, in the Raptors. <laughs> Not flat. Okay. Um, I asked this for, you know, for a lot of, of my guests who have had really legendary college coaches, your coach, Lisa Bluter. Mm-hmm legend this game and the things that she's done in the past the things that she's doing right now is is amazing so and we call them tarisms and that's just something tar consistently said like you would get on your nerves like okay one's every disappointment is a blessing one is um the s on our jerseys doesn't stand for stupid that was enough <laughs> so we have some 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 wisdom in them and sometimes it's like well frick you know just to remind you you know pick up the pace or you know get better um, so do you have any, <laughs> any isms that your coach um, consistently said while you're in school? Oh, for sure. I mean, there are so many. Um, I think one that I consistently remember is be where your feet are. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of helps us with a lot of different things, especially on the court. Um, you know, if you made a mistake, um, if your team wasn't doing well, okay, we're going to move on. We're going to, we're going to be where our feet are. We're not going to worry about the past. Um, we're going to be here in the present moment, focusing on this next play uh, that also can apply to life too. So she did a Absolutely. lot of application with, um, you know, classroom stuff, relationships, relationship stuff. Um, you know, it really applies to all aspects of life. So I love that saying um, for her. And then just on the court, there's just like a lot of one-liners that she said that are just so funny. And um, a couple of times she's really well known for stopping her, her foot if she gets like mad. Uh, um, and she had like the heels on so like it was like the funniest thing but it's just like oh when she stomps her heel you know like you need to you need to figure it out <laughs> um, and then another one is you know whenever we always celebrate the assist at Iowa um, more than the basket to be honest and so whenever there was like a, a really nice pass she'd be like that's beautiful so I always <laughs> hear like that in my mind like her voice so I just I just love her she's amazing <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. I just love the connection. Um, I feel like, you know, the best players in the game have some of the best connections with their coaches. And I can see that when you, when you're speaking of your coach, that you guys had a really good connection. For sure. She's like my second mom. Um, the whole coaching staff, definitely. They're like, they're definitely family for me. Love it. Okay. Next question. If you played two on two, so it's you and you had to choose any guard, who are you choosing in the league? Who are you choosing? In this league. Oh, gosh. So I just pick, okay, who is my fellow guard? Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. It's a oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I might have to say Kelsey Mitchell because fellow Big Ten. We played in the answer. Big Ten together for um, three. So I was a year younger. So for three years, we were competing against each other. Um, overseas, we competed against each other as well. So, um, she's just dynamic, you know, she's also a fellow lefty. So I got to stick with lefty gang. <laughs> so I'd say Kelsey. That's a really great answer. I did not expect that. And I love that answer. I freaking love it. Shout out to Kels. I played with Kels for three years. Yeah. Three years with the Indiana fever and Oh, man just the way that she 
attacks the game, her pace, the way she can slow down and speed up like a freaking mm. rocket, the way she just knocks down, can score. She's just a natural scorer. I um, mean, unreal. We just played them. So also fresh of mind, she <laughs> hit a couple shots on me. Yeah. I was like, yep, I remember those days. <laughs> it also just, it's, yes, <laughs> there's a great human and um, snub for all-star. So that's my yeah, hot take. So that. <laughs> that's also my hot that. take. Kelsey Mitchell was snub for all-star. She's an amazing player. Should have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that her teams, you know, they're still developing, but man, she's having an amazing season and she deserves 100%. it. 100%. So. All star in my eyes. Great answer, Max. Okay, last one. Last one, super fun. I'm interested to see what your answer is. Okay. Okay. If a Hawkeye and a Cyclone were to get in a fight, who would win? Hawkeye. I mean. But explain. Explain how. I mean, a a Cyclone can take out anything. It can take out anything. For those who do not know what I'm referencing, I'm referencing the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Hawkeyes and mm-hmm. Iowa State Cyclones. Right. Big rivalry. Big rivalry. Huge. All right. Well, I have a really good like life scenario that you can kind of line it up with. Mm, so okay. Give if me. you think of like big sibling versus little sibling rivalry, that's kind of what it comes to mind when I think of Iowa versus Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa State is like the little brother. Okay. They're they're energetic. They're you know, kind of crazy all over the place, which is like the cyclone, you know, <laughs> very destructive. Very descriptive, yes. But then you have, but then you have the big brother, which is mm-hmm. Iowa. Mm-hmm. We're more mature. We're more wise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a little biased. Just, just, like just a, little a little bit. bit. Just a little bit. But we, we put little brother in place when we need to. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the scenario that I definitely see when it comes to if there's a Hawkeye versus a cyclone in a fight. Hawkeyes put cyclones in their place i love no it question. i loved it wow i was i was like i don't know how she's going to explain this i'm really looking forward to the answer and it was well worth the wait i love it yeah yep no question there nope okay Meg. well that concludes the game portion of the show let's move on to the interview and talk about shoot pretty much your whole basketball career What's up, Hoops fans? For all things Wizards and Mystics, plus Nationals, WFT, and Caps Talk, check out the DC Crossover Podcast with me, Ben Simpson, and my co-host, Mike Cerrone. We talk all things District of Champions as well as play sports trivia, give out weekly picks, and of course, talk plenty about fast food. Listen to the DC Crossover Podcast wherever you download your shows. We'll also provide a link in the description of this episode. Now back to Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall. Let's let's start with with Iowa, um, and let's just talk about your first three years and how it kind of shaped you uh, to have that amazing season that you were your player of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's looking back, um, especially like freshman year. Um, that was a time for me that was kind of scary, just because. So I grew up in a really tiny, tiny town. Tell them about it, man. People, um, you know, I think the population's just under 170 now. So, you know, we're getting up there a little bit. Yeah, it's growing. Um, and I graduated with 11 kids in my class. So really tiny. Um, and thankfully I was able to do AAU where I was able to be seen by coaches. Now, um, where did you go for AAU? Cause I know there wasn't an AAU mm-hmm. team in your town. <laughs> no. So, um, team Wisconsin was the, was the team 
and their home base was three hours, three and a half hours away from me. So mm. my parents would drive me every summer, you know, on a weekly basis to practices. And then obviously all over like Chicago, Minneapolis, Florida, wherever it was, like we would go. So I'm thankful for my parents for kind of putting me in that position to be seen by coaches. Um, but I'm just going to pause right there. I'm going to shout out parents right now mm. when their children live in smaller cities and yep. they have to make the sacrifice for their child to mm-hmm. drive miles to get to you know where they need to be to practices for games shout out to them my parents had to do the same I live here yep. in Bakersfield we had to drive to LA you know to you know to play on mm-hmm. a bigger bigger team you know teams that you know went to the big tournaments because locally in Bakersfield we weren't able to do that so shout out to parents shout out to your parents are super dope um mm-hmm. for you know for doing that and, and sacrificing you know their time um you know to allow you to be successful I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without my parents, 100%. I mean, I wouldn't have been seen by coaches. I wouldn't have been seen by Iowa. I would probably still be in that town, which I love the town. It's cute. It's quaint. It's right next to Lake Superior. I love it there. Um, But I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without them. Shout out to parents. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Continue on. Freshman year. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So the adjustment obviously was like pretty big, especially going to a university of 30,000 plus students. Um, And, you know, just trying to get used to that. I was pretty quiet. Um, I was kind of to myself. I didn't quite know how to interact with new people, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. when you're from a small town, you just have those same people that you know, and nobody else comes to that town. Yeah. So that was an adjustment. Um, I remember one time we were doing like this team get together at um, a teammate's parents' house. And I was kind of off in a corner by myself and my, my coaches were worried about me. Um, They were like, Oh, I don't know. Like she seems to be kind of on herself by herself. And one of them came up to me and she's like, are you okay? Like, we just want to make sure you're, you're doing all right. And then I guess, you know, I said, yeah, it's just like, there are more people on my team right now here at Iowa than there was in my entire class growing up. (laughs) So like it was an adjustment, um, but I had some awesome teammates that had some bigger personalities and they were very welcoming. And so when you have those two types of things come together, they get you out of your shell. Um, And a lot of times, you know, that kind of what got me, got me going is just to get to know the girls, get to know everyone. And the fact that Iowa had, has still does, has such an overwhelming family atmosphere was so important for my, um, my growth early on in my career, for sure. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel moments, I know a lot of freshmen, <clears throat> especially these days, you know, when things just, they're really difficult to adjust. Did you ever feel a moment that you wanted to transfer or did you always know like, this is where I need to be? Yeah. I mean, obviously freshman year in college is all, is hard. Um, no matter what, even if you're a star playing right away, it's always a big adjustment, um, you know, with the level of play with new coaches, new system, everything, but no, I never, I never felt that pull to be going, you know, somewhere else. I fell in love with university from day one. Um, I compared all of my college visits to Iowa. I was comparing everything to them and it was my dream. So, I, I love it. And I believed in my coaches and I believe that they could develop me um, to become a big time impact player. Yeah. So, so freshman year, you got some big minutes. Um, did you feel like a, a huge responsibility as a freshman that you needed to, you mm-hmm. know, perform every night? I think a little bit um, just because the year before 
um, I got there, they graduated a pretty big time senior class. Um, they made it to the Sweet 16 that year. They had an all Big Ten post player who left um, and graduated. So um, they needed someone to fill that role. Um, and they brought me in and they brought my fellow classmate, Hannah Stewart in. And so we knew that we'd had to compete really hard in practices in and out um, to fill that post void. Um, and thankfully we were able to do that. We also had um, another teammate who was a year older. She was also post player, but she was still young. So again, we were all pretty young post players at that moment. And so we knew that there was gonna have to be a lot of development and a lot of competing and practices in order to fill that. Oh, and how did that mindset uh, shape your mindset? So when you got to your, to your senior year, did you see an evolution or did you just, you had the same mindset, really like that dog, I'm a work hard mindset from freshman year to senior year? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in a small town, I've always had like that work ethic there. Um, and, you know, in high school, I kind of carried, carried a lot of my team, um, on my shoulders, uh, because I needed to do it, you know, no, you know, be able to do that. I mean, I, when I was a little bit younger, we had some help. My sister played and she's a really good player. And then we had an, another really good point guard. Um, so thankfully I had that, but my senior year, like those people had left. And so I had to have all that responsibility of bringing our team back to state and all that. And so I kind of still kind of carried that small town mentality with me uh, into college. And um, at the end of the day, I wanted to be the best. Um, I wanted to show everyone that, yeah, I'm from a small town, but we can still compete and be playing at the best level. And I think I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder mm. um, from high school because because I was from such a small town, people were saying, oh, she didn't compete against good competition um you know she's probably not gonna be able to compete in college and I was like absolutely not like I'm one of the best I know I can be she wanted to be the best and she <laughs> was the best player of the year in several different <laughs> award categories um man for someone who wasn't the best player in college <laughs> I want to know what was the mindset that you had every day going into practice going into games did you constantly think like okay like yeah I'm playing I'm playing the best basketball, you know, in the nation, or is it just like, Hey, I'm here to compete for my team. Um, and you know, it's really a group effort. Like what, which, what is your mindset? Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, but prioritizing the team over everything else is the most important thing um, that I did at the end of the day. I didn't care about my stats. I didn't care about recognition. I wanted our team to get a championship. I wanted us to go far in the NCAA tournament. My team actually didn't reach the NCAAs until my junior year. Wow. Um, so the first, the, yeah, so the first two years we were we were cut short and we were in the WNIT, uh, which is also a good tournament, but obviously you want to be in the NCAAs. Um, so I think just doing whatever I had to do, if that meant be, me playing, scoring 40 a game, and not 40, but like maybe 30, 30 a game. Um, I did a couple times. Well, she was doing 40, so I mean, it's not far <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> But if, if they needed me to do that, then I was going to do that. Uh, but if there was a game, a couple games where I didn't, wasn't the scoring leader, fine. Whatever it took to, to get our team winning. And I think um, even my junior year a little bit, uh, but definitely my senior year, we had five people, you know, and then we had people coming off the bench that were solid, um, that could score and be a threat at any moment. And I think having that balance was good, even though I was doing quite a bit of the scoring. Wow. I did not know that you guys didn't make the tournament your first two years. And I just think we that's a, a testament to your coach, you, your teammates, um, getting to 
you know, the NCAAs and, and doing some some good work in there, but also for you to, to not making the NCAAs to becoming, you know, the best player in college basketball. I think that's absolutely amazing. I think you just put in the work. You made those freaking 40 Mikeins in 40 seconds. Yes, I looked at the video when I was looking up all your bio. So I'm like, I'm over here doing Mikeins. I'm getting back, you know, into my groove again. Yeah. I'm doing Mikeins and struggling. I'm struggling. It's tough. It's I'm tough. looking at your I video mean... like, left and right, left and right. <laughs> I, did, I mean, I did those every day growing up, you know, yeah. so it's just like a daily thing from high school all the way through college every single day. So I, I still, yeah, exactly. I still do those for game, for game warmups with the mercury. <laughs> I love it. But that's how you, you become an amazing scorer when you have that touch, when you have that speed um, and nothing, you know, nothing can really mess you up. So exactly. wow. I, I love it. I'm even more impressed by you, Meg. I didn't think it was going to be possible, but here we are today. Wow. Okay, You're so sweet. <laughs> thank you. Let's transition to the league. So you were drafted 17th. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? I mean, a lot of people have you going higher. Of course, you know, you're the player of the year and, and a lot of people had high expectations for you and you're drafted 17th, which is absolutely nothing wrong with it. I was drafted 17th. <laughs> so what was your thoughts when you got drafted? Yeah, I mean, I, I was obviously a special night. Um, I was able to be invited to the actual draft itself. So being there in person was really awesome. You know, we were there the day before doing this orientation, um, all this stuff. But yeah, there was definitely um, some expectations on me. I think I put a lot on myself as well uh, that I was supposed to be drafted first round, um, you know, late first round or so. And so um, it's also kind of nerve wracking too, because you're there and everyone's kind of being picked one by one. And when you're still sitting there, you're like, okay, all right. No, not this. All right. Maybe then. No. So you're just kind of like waiting and waiting and you get more and more nervous. But, um, you know, as soon as my name was called, I was really excited. You, I mean, when you're at the draft, you know, about five seconds before, because the camera crew comes to you. Yep. The whole camera crew. Yeah. So, you know, um, that it's your turn. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. They came to me at that point. I was like, all right, I got drafted. That's all I care about. Um, but yeah, it was just really exciting, um, to be drafted to Dallas and whirlwind after that, um, yeah. you know, it was back to Iowa a couple weeks for training, finishing up classes, um, all of that, the studies finals early, um, and then go to training camp right away. It's a whirlwind. First of all, I know what you feel like. I was at the draft too. I was, I was last to get drafted at the draft. I was like, okay, or okay, girls, <laughs> next. the cameras is like, and then it's like, the, my whole class everyone got drafted first round but me mm-hmm. so you know and we had to wait you know a whole nother four yes yep. four you know four spots for us you know to get called and so you're just like waiting there and they're just like calling on the on the board you're like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is it my <laughs> turn I know exactly what that's like <laughs> <laughs> your family's like Don, I remember Don Stanley walked past me like it's okay your time is coming soon you're out <laughs> I was like okay all right but man when your name gets called it's such a a dope moment like you don't even care what Mm -hmm. the number is like wow your your dreams have come true your hard work is paid off and and it's beautiful especially when you're at the draft too it's like man like I seen this on tv my sister was drafted and so I'm like man just uh, so cool I was worried I was gonna like fall going up the stairs I was like all right do not like make a mistake like do not miss a step and be all clumsy (laughs) No, I, I, uh, we had the, um, 
you know, that interesting draft, you know, where it was, they're trying to do high tech and everything. And, and that's mm-hmm. when they're like, we didn't have a stage, <laughs> it was oh. just tables. It was just tables okay, there yeah, yeah. and they called us. Um, and, uh-huh. but the, but whoever was announcing, like the commissioner who was announcing it was like, like way over there. Like we didn't even see her. And so like, oh. it was just a really unique experience so I didn't have to worry about falling literally all had to stand up and just like look around and be like thank you to my to my friends and family because everybody else everybody else was in the back chit-chatting away getting interviews right (laughs) right I know (laughs) thank you family (laughs) that's hilarious I remember yeah I was the last one waiting and everyone was already doing media interviews (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, okay, so what do you do? Like, okay, here is Erica, this is what you're gonna do here. Everyone's already done it, just having fun, <laughs> turning up. But you know what? What's meant for us is meant for us. And we're here today, still balling. You're in the exactly. league, shooting 50% from the three. So ah, I'm trying. I'm trying. They're gonna say it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after you got drafted, um, you didn't even wave from Dallas. Mm-hmm. But you had a really amazing opportunity to play for TBT, which is the basketball tournament. For those who don't yep. know, it's a really big tournament in America where teams compete for a million dollars. I think it's up to two million now. Um, mm-hmm. And you had the opportunity to be the first woman to play in the TBT. How did that opportunity come about? Yeah. Um, so this was uh, only about a few days after I got cut. Um, I was back home. I had basically turned off all social media. I knew my Iowa fans were going to be out with pitchforks fighting for me. I know because they're just, they're the best, um, but they're a little bit overwhelming at times, especially yeah. on social media. Um, and so I was like, let me just turn off social media. I'm going to go home to my little town, spend time with the family. And um, I had a, a former men's Iowa men's basketball player, uh, Nick Bear. He reached out to me um, and he, he asked, you know, you know, if the coach of the TBT, the Iowa TBT team at the time, um, could call me. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? I mean, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) So, so he called me, he's like, yeah, we'd love to have you on the Iowa TBT. Um, I think it was called Iowa United TBT at that time. Um, we'd love to have you come for this coming summer. Um, we have a lot of really good guys that have played overseas, um, obviously some former Iowa players, um, all over the place. And I was like, that sounds really cool. And the fact that it, you could get a lot of money if you win, I was like, sure, uh, that would be awesome. And, um, he's like, yeah, you could be the first women um, competing in this tournament. And I was like, all right, let's go, let's do it. Um, so I, ha- I had all the plans to be um, training with them beforehand. I think that we were going to be training and maybe it was Des Moines, um, Iowa before going to the to wherever the first game was. Um, so I had all the plans to be going and but then, uh, Dallas called and off I was, and I said, all right, um, you know, maybe sometime in the future when I'm off a WMBH team again. Um, so who knows, maybe something else on my way back to that tournament. Yeah. I don't think they've had a woman competing there and there. So I think your spot still holds and, and I want to see you compete because that'd be freaking amazing. Man, to see fun. a woman compete with men and Wow. I, yeah. I thought, I remember when I heard that, I'm like, okay, Meg, I didn't know you then, but that was what I was calling you. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay, Meg. I think that was a super dope opportunity. And for the um, men's team to recognize your talent, you know, despite your gender, it's just amazing on them. Um, and Mal, that's yeah. been an amazing experience. So we'll, we'll be on the, the lookout for that. But for now she's balling in the league. She was with Dallas. They called her back saying, man, we need you girl. How was yep, your rookie season? 
Yeah, it was um, a lot of up and downs, I think, you know, especially getting thrown back into the team after being off um, for a couple of weeks. Again, it's just kind of each, I mean, you know how it is. Each time mm-hmm. you get thrown onto a team, it's just, you're getting thrown right back into the fire. So um, I just had to be ready. Um, thankfully, I was in their training camp. So I knew, you know, some of the plays, I knew the players. Um, so that helped a little bit. Um, Teresa Playsons, I got to give her a little shout out. She was kind of my mentor. Um, she definitely was that person always helping me out, making sure I had rides, um, you know, making sure that I was okay on the court, off the court, all of it. And she's still to this day, a really good friend, um, and a supporter. So I love her to death. Um, and she definitely made my transition, um, with Dallas so much easier. Um, but yeah, we, we were struggled a little bit, I think, um, you know, in our first, my first year with them, um, but we kept fighting, you know, Dallas is always known to be a fighter, um, no matter what. Um, so it was a good opportunity for me to, to embrace that kind of chip on your shoulder type mentality to continue that for sure. Absolutely. Um, I was impressed just because of the transition that you had, you know, from, I knew from from being cut to playing on a team again, it takes like a lot of mental toughness, um, Mm -hmm. for you to be able to, you know, battle back and try to earn playing time. Rookie season is, is freaking hard. Was it a tough transition for you? playing yeah. for, with Iowa to, you know, the league? Yeah, it was definitely a, a transition um, going from being national player of the year, playing 40 minutes to not even getting in the game a lot of the time. Um, and, and a lot of things had to change behind this to be going behind the scenes, um, getting in the gym before and after practices, um, you know, being the first one there, last one to leave. There was a couple of times my Dallas coach kicked me out of the gym because he was like, you need to go home. <laughs> stop. I was like, okay. Um, so I think just making sure I was consistent in my work ethic um, from what I had at Iowa was really important, even though I wasn't the start of the team, even though I was the end, the end of the bench, like the last person like even less than that, basically. Um, but I, you know what? I, I try to take my uh, advantage of my opportunities when I did get in the game um, and they went well. So I think um, just kind of holding on to my work ethic was really, really important mentally to um, celebrating yourself too. I think when you have a good workout, um, even if nobody's watching, like mm. you can celebrate that and feel good about your progress that you made, even though nobody's watching, nobody actually cares. Um but you do. And I think that's really important at the end of the day is being able to celebrate yourself um, and to keep moving forward. That's, that's really dope that you mentioned that because I think myself rookie through my third year in Indiana, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is absolutely terrible. <laughs> I'm playing like trash. Like I, you know, I have, have this, like high expectations on myself. So I'm like, I have the worst performance anxiety when I get in the games, like I'm missing simplest layups and just like, it's true. Like when you, um, have like these these good practices or these good workouts yes. um, with the team you're like man okay I can do mm-hmm. this <laughs> I'm still exactly. a darn good player and it's those workouts that people don't see or when you're in you know in the gym at like seven in the morning I was working shout out to Chrissy side she coaches for Atlanta now we were in the gym every off day like getting it mm-hmm. in and just her reminding me that like bird like you're a good player and like just pushing myself to get better and just it just made me mentally tough you know those workouts are freaking hard I dreaded them <laughs> but afterwards Same. like all right I made it through mm-hmm. I'm gonna be good I'm, I'm still doing these workouts by the way <laughs> I'm still doing them on my off days I'm like yeah well that's okay I'm just gonna keep getting better every day 
it's those little things um you, you put in the work like you said you were in the gym before in gym after you're doing the shoot arounds you shoot around extra like it's just extra extra yep. extra <laughs> but always um it's that work that work really helps it helps with the mental helps with the physical and coaches notice it like okay like I know like if I need someone to pin on I need a hard worker in this game like we need some oomph in this mm-hmm. game and it makes a person to call because we've seen her put in the work and she's she's invested in this team and so kudos yep. to you I know how the grind Thank is. You. It's tiring. Sometimes you're doing you're doing more work than what the starters are doing because the starters are playing yep. and they have practice and they, they got to rest. They're playing a lot of minutes. And so because mm-hmm. we aren't playing minutes, we got to make sure we get our conditioning in and then we got to make sure we do more basketball. And <laughs> it's yep. a really exhausting experience, but all worth it. It really is. For sure. 100% agree. And doing the little things too, I think is really important. So if a coach emphasizes all right, you, you guys need to set screens better. Well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to set the best screens Mm -hmm. of that day. You know what I mean? So like focusing on little attention to detail and coaches notice that too. Um, so then you, they're like, Oh, she sets good screens or, Oh, she does this well. She does that well. Um, maybe the team doesn't do all that well, but she does it well. So we Mm -hmm. need her. And so I think finding your little niches throughout, um, the entire game is really important. Big facts. Yes. Find the little things that, that the coaches need. Like you got to find yeah. out what the coaches need. And when you find that, I'm like, okay, the coaches need rebound. I'm going to rebound my butt off. That's exactly. what I'm going to do. They need energy. Say less. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's huge. Um, and that's an important, I hope that young players in this league recognize that if they're not getting a lot of playing times, look out for what the coaches need, what the team needs and work yep. on that and it might not be a lot it might not even be like you might not get in the game for a lot of, a lot of minutes but when you go in you're productive and you're doing what the team needs for you to do to get to get buckets and to, to win so yeah and they stops. celebrate they yeah. celebrate just like setting a good screen and then they're like you did great I was like yes you know you like you keep you, you find that energy from what the team needs like yeah. and then it, it gets you more minutes um down the road too I remember when I was at your game and um me and Cindy Weiss we were in I was in Arizona um uh, kind of touring the place <laughs> and we went to your game um and you set Skylar up for a a good three-pointer and it was your screen that did it um you didn't it was and, and those screens are like assists they don't you're not on the yeah. you know on the stat sheet but they count as assists and you feel mm-hmm. good and I saw you because you knew you know you set that yeah. good screen and you knew you set herself up so you, <laughs> I I got you it's <laughs> it's little things like that that you'd be like yep that was me <laughs> I heard that shot so it's the little things that you appreciate as a player especially players like us who are you know we don't get as much playing time but the little things mm-hmm. that we do the team celebrates it helps you know get the team better and hey exactly we're we'll still here it. well you're still, here. still I'm, here I'm at home right now <laughs> but soon come folks you'll be back, you'll be back <laughs> soon. so soon so so soon okay let's transition to overseas what was it like playing in your league your first year because I'm playing in your league next year it'll be my first year so I'm asking mm-hmm. all my year league friends you know what it's like um to play yeah. in that league yeah it's definitely different um <laughs> for sure I think it also depends on the country that you're in um and what their league is like so for example I was in Poland um this past year this was my first year in your league um it's decent competition uh but I wouldn't say it's like like Turkey you know what I mean or like different countries like that um and so it was definitely a step up um a couple steps up to be honest from that 
Um, so it was, it was a lot. Um, the pace is a lot. I think it helps obviously being in the WNBA. So we get a little bit of a taste um, mm-hmm. for it, but it's also different from the WNBA in that it's, it's a bit more physical, um, but, and it, and it, but it's not as fast but it's still faster than like your, I say the same thing. I always tell when people people say like, what's the difference between WNBA and overseas? I'm like, it's more physical. Like, I don't think it's like as fast, but the physicality of it, Mm -hmm. but maybe we're saying this because we're post players. I always thought that too. Like the post players, like we really bang. I feel like we really bang overseas. And here's the thing, like refs overseas, do not care about you if you're like an American. Like nope. they nope. will not give you the time of day for calls. Um, even in like Polish league, I think they, I really think they didn't like me at all. <laughs> like even if I wanted to like have a discussion with them, they they wouldn't even like look at me. Like I once got a technical. Um, I was May. like, yes, my sweet May. We were in France, and okay, I was missing some shots. I was a bit frustrated. Um, but this ref, like he didn't like my expressions, like on mm. my face, whenever I got a foul called on me. And this was my fifth foul. Um, I had gotten clobbered on the back after a shot. Um, and I was like, she was pushing me under and I was like putting my hands up. Like I was showing what she was doing, but the ref got offended and he's like, get out. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck? and so that was my fifth fall I fought on the game when we lost the game I was like oh this is not good but dealing with refs overseas is a whole other thing complete different experience you're trying to communicate with them you know English isn't their first they understand English but it's not their first language so of course mm-hmm. like they have a better connection you know the Turkish player well when I was in Turkey but you know the the players of that country can communicate better with the refs you know because exactly they speak the same language as them and it's it can be mm-hmm. difficult I mean I played in Hungary for four years so the refs got used to me I'm used to seeing the same refs but in Turkey right. it's different you know I remember my my first game <laughs> I got like pushed in the back I'm like what the heck like I don't know if this is just Turkish style basketball or if you refs just don't know Eric McCall yet <laughs> in America that's a foul <laughs> right right <laughs> So Man. it's just a complete dismissal. And even I was telling to somebody, like, even the players, like, they don't like Americans. Like, I mean, your teammates do, but like mm-hmm. some of some players on other teams, like, okay, yeah, because they think, okay, yeah, she thinks she's American. Like, she thinks like she can just come over here and just do whatever she wants in our country. And that's not going to happen. And yeah. that's the mindset of some of the players. And they're, gonna, they're not going to take it easy on you. Matter of fact, they take it harder. <laughs> oh, way harder. I think in EuroLeague, especially that's like amplified too. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of pitted against each other. Um, and it's a, it's a really fun environment. I think the fans make it really fun too, mm-hmm. overseas fans, um, just because I don't think there's any regulations on anything. Like they can bring <laughs> trumpets, yeah. drums, whistles, like cigarettes, anything you can imagine, <laughs> cigarettes, beer, like all of it. Um, so it's just, it's, it makes it for a really fun atmosphere. Uh, but I think also the traveling too kind of takes a toll as well is just because, you know, overseas setup, you know, it's, it's one game a week in your country and then you're playing one game a week, at least, you know, in the league. So it's two games a week, you're flying for part of it. You have to come the turnarounds quick. So it's definitely, um, definitely a lot for sure. And that's what I'm going to have to adjust to again, uh, is playing two games a week. Cause in Turkey, I was just playing one game a week. Yeah. It's long. It's, it's long and draining. Cause it's just like, uh, practice, 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 but it got for, you know, we only had to fly probably about five, six times in Turkey because you know, everything's pretty yeah. close or we would drive. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, going from playing in different countries now, 
um, you know, flights, always flights are draining. Um, mm. I see like, you know, Carly, you know, she used to play for Salamanca and I would see her stories all the time. Them and bus ride, 12 hour bus ride, nine hour bus ride. So. And then get on a plane and then get on another plane. I was like, whoa. I mean, Poland, it was kind of rough traveling. We had long bus rides, but thankfully, you know, like we, we had an airport close by. So we just get on a flight um, to go to wherever, but Sometimes those traveling days, especially when we went to Russia, uh, that was a whole nother battle just because going through the actual border itself, you have to like go through three checkpoints and then you have to literally walk a mile with your suitcases to get to the other side of the border. And then you have to go through some more checkpoints. And that was like, like two in the morning. So, yeah. I don't people understand <laughs> how, how tiring traveling can be like. It's and so then much. like you think that you're like sleeping you're like oh yeah the teammates are like i slept on the plane and then like you're still like you could probably sleep five hours on a plane and that For probably real? equates to like one hour of regular sleeping <laughs> no like actually it's insane i'm like always <laughs> exhausted every time we fly like i can sleep for those straight four hours and then the thing go to bed like like normal because tired. i don't know oh, why yeah. it's just it's just a different style of sleeping it's it's tiring it requires Stressful. a lot of energy so yeah Agreed. All that to say, I'm excited for your league. I'm excited for the travel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I'm like making this really negative. It's no, really no, this time. is this is the real, and I think I, this is why you know do the podcast. People need to hear the real of what we do overseas. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Do you know you're yep. playing uh, next year? Um, I'm not supposed to say yet, um, but it, yeah. So it, the announcement should be coming next week. I would okay. love to tell you, but I am really excited. We'll be on the lookout for that. And when you announce it, we'll tweet it on the podcast page so the fans can know where you're going. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm ex- Maybe you can tell me after the podcast. Is I, I will definitely tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, last question in terms of overseas. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part of Hungary? I miss Hungary. I miss every day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I lived there for four years. I didn't live in Budapest, which is the, the big city. Um, it's the capital of, of Hungary. Um, I live mm-hmm. like an hour and a half away. You know how small sex art is. I so love small. it though. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. It's- does, it, does it remind you of, of your hometown? Um, it's definitely a lot bigger. I mean, someday you're going to have to come to Port Wing. I mean, you're going to be That's shot. You, me me and blink, Sid. You'll blink and you'll miss it. That's like how small it how is. How many lights do you guys have? <laughs> Zero. Um, and the, so if you think about counties, like different counties in the states, yeah. There is not a single stoplight in the entire county, the whole county. Wow. So that that is like where we're at, if you think about it. <laughs> I definitely got to experience. I'm gonna it's, it's gonna be me, you and Sid. Yes. TP, we'll bring TP with us. We have um, to bring TP. <laughs> I think we'll be everyone's gonna be like, what who are these people? <laughs> we're Megan, a good we're time. With, we're with Megan, we're with the Gustafsons. <laughs> they'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, I love it. Yeah, no, I love small towns. So that's why I love sex art. I don't know why. And maybe when I get older, I'll move to a smaller town. I mean, Bakersfield's a decent size, but mm-hmm. Hungary, like it's, it has my heart. I'm always going to consider it like my second home overseas um, just because yeah. of the love that I brought. Did you enjoy your, your Hungarian experience? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely um, an experience. That's a coach, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot. I think my rookie year being overseas and being in Hungary, uh, being in Budapest, was Budapest sorry that's what I say Budapest, you gotta say the Hungarian way Budapest, Budapest. <laughs> um I I can't remember if I lived on the Buddha side or the Pest side I think it was the opposite side of the castle side 
I don't know if you know, like I never knew what the Buddha like in Turkey. I know like what's the yeah the European side I and think. the in the Asian side, but I never knew what the Buddha and the Pest side was. I'd have to look it up, but I, it might have been in Pest where I was, but um, and like where the gym was. But I love like the castles. Um, yes, I think that part, the castle district is just incredible. Um, and then being on, I can't remember the name of the famous bridge. Maybe you would know, um, with like the lions on it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, I don't know any Budapest <laughs> fun <laughs> artifacts or anything. Cause I, cause we probably went there like 10 times. I mean, probably more, but you know, like, cause we were in sex art. We stayed in sex art. Right. <laughs> we went to Petch a couple of times. So okay have something yeah fashion the fashion street or the fashion square in, in that part. yes beautiful pretty amazing um I had a stick shift though that was my first year driving um <laughs> tell us about that, that was oh boy I rolled down a hill once in the middle it was like 10 p.m I was screaming thank goodness there was nobody behind me thankfully my dad my dad my family came during Christmas um and he taught me a little bit so that totally helped because before for that I didn't even drive I was like I'm not driving this thing um I refuse so they try to give me I'm like I know I walk <laughs> <laughs> no that's what I did exactly I would walk everywhere take the bus or the tram or whatever um but once I got that I figured out it was okay but that was definitely another thing and because Budapest is a lot of hills yes, too it a lot of hills, yes. it's very hilly mm-hmm. yeah I refuse I put on my and then I put on my contract I walked all my first year I mean sex art small yeah. so it's not like I was walking far but I walked everywhere I walked in the snow I walked in the rain like yeah. I would refuse to drive so in my you know my contract for the next four years I was like a stick shit I mean automatic only please automatic yeah I know yeah like in Poland automatic I was like I cannot I mean I can do stick shift now it's sometimes fun but like I don't want the stresses of if something goes wrong <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you would have been fine driving a sex art stick shift. You people would have been honking at you, but I hate it. That's the one thing I hate about living in sex art is that there was a um a driver school. <laughs> oh geez. So it was a driver school like in the city. Um, so there was like constant sex art such a small city, so the, you're gonna run into a learning drive everywhere. And they I was just like, oh my gosh, everywhere we go, like a Stressful. learning driver. But you know, I have to remember that was me one time. <laughs> right, right. Goodness, <laughs> throwback. Time well, oh exactly <laughs> well meg that wraps up the interview i have one last question what would you tell a young girl who wants to be the best player in college basketball what advice would you give them that's a really good question um i think just keep believing in yourself um no matter what you face um you know there's gonna be a lot of challenges that you're gonna face on and off the court um and i think also embracing your support system um because you can't get anywhere that you can go without them um I I couldn't have gotten where I was without my parents as we talked about earlier um and just having that support around me each and every day through the highs and especially through the lows is really important and then obviously I think it's really important to find the best fit for you for the college making sure it fits you off the court as much as it does on the court I mean, yeah, let's say you want to go to a team, uh, the best team uh, on the court, but do they get along? Or do they have good chemistry? Um, do they have a good school? Are their coaches all about welcoming you and having a family atmosphere? Um, so just making sure you have a good fit as a person, um, I think is the most important thing. Because when you have a great environment off the court, you're going to perform really well on the court. Um, so I think that's really important. And 
again, just never losing that joy for the game. Um, when you have fun, you're going to play at your best for sure. Amazing advice. A lot of people don't focus on off the court. They, a lot of times they, you know, they focus yeah. on on court. So beautiful advice. Thank you, Meg. Before we take off, I do ask one last question. This isn't a part of the interview, but it's my favorite question of the show. What's your craziest overseas experience? Craziest overseas experience? <laughs> Gosh, there's just like so many, I feel like. Um, I would have to say that I did mention um, the rolling down the hill part was probably one of my scariest moments um, because it's like, it was a really steep hill and it was the cobblestone streets. So driving on those is already bumpy and not knowing like how to like completely drive a stick shift. I didn't know you had to put the gear in gear one. Mm. So I put the gear, I put it up into three. I was like, well, high number, probably huge mistake. I was rolling down. And when I say rolling, I don't mean a little bit. I was like 30 miles per hour rolling down the hill and I could not get it to stop. And at first I was scared. So then I had to do like the bulk of them. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there's like a lot of experiences. That was definitely one of them. I think just having fun with your team too, like going out and exploring new areas was really fun too. I think again, Panny was <laughs> a wild experience. Also that, well. Okay. You're right. You're right. There's, I mean, getting pancake would probably have to be like number one and then rolling down a hill in the middle of the night roll. He's probably number two. Um, but yeah, definitely getting my dog pancake. Honestly, the craziest thing I've ever done, probably, but the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> high risk, high reward. <laughs> That's right. I freaking love it. Well, Meg, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the podcast. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can go look up um, Megan Gustafson 10 um, on Instagram and then at Gustafson Meg 10 on Twitter. Pancake also has the social media. Yes. It's going to be at at its underscore panty underscore the cake. Um, and then on Twitter, she is the WNBA Corgi. So those are her Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> I do not follow Panny on, on Twitter. I need to follow her. Yes. I kind of got locked out there for a few months because I like for some reason couldn't reset her password for that specific account, but I recently got back into it. She also has a TikTok, so follow, look up Pancake. Well, y'all follow Panny, follow Meg. You can find me at birds the word underscore 24 on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can follow us, Bird's Eye View, the podcast at one, the number one, Bird's Eye View. And then you can follow us on Instagram at birds eye view that podcast. Sorry, I almost forgot. I'm like, is that the right? Yes. One bird's eye view. <laughs> one bird's eye view on Twitter, y'all. I love, um, I love Twitter. So I love the interaction that y'all are giving me. Yes, it's me running that account. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> keep it going. Follow us. Um, like, rate the show, do all that good stuff. But once again, it's been another episode of bird's eye view. Thank you again to our lovely guest. Megan, you've been amazing. It's been a blessing. Deuces. Thank you so much.